Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody. I am here with Tim from Thor. Welcome to the Wild Ginger Running YouTube channel live broadcast and subsequent podcast. I'm delighted to be talking to Tim today. He's the founder of the new running brand, well, relatively new running brand, Thor, S-O-A-R, not S-O-R-E. Um, and we are going to be talking about the new trail running range, giving you a 15% discount code. And we're going to be talking about the challenges faced by outdoor brands such as Thor as regards pricing and sustainability. So welcome, Tim. How are you doing today? Have you been running yet? Oh, done. Well, thank you, Claire. Uh, nice to meet you. No, I'm, I'm in that, that world of psychic turmoil that every runner is when they get injured. Oh. Where So, I've, yes, yes, yeah. I, I mean, let's not go there. It's it's getting better, hopefully. Oh, but the, the point where I can run again seems to be, you know, it's always next week. And then another week goes by and it's going to be next week. Oh. Anyway, hopefully next week I'll oh, be running no. again. And have you been doing your exercises to rehab yourself? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I've been doing so much rehab. Good. Uh, I've had my, my physio and osteo and uh, and sports massage. Bill is, you know, oh, all of the stuff we all know. Basically. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I know the drill. I, I really feel for you. It's yes. really, really hard for runners not to run, isn't it? It seems wrong forever, <laughs> basically, when you're injured. Yeah. Oh, well, hopefully we'll distract you today because um, we don't actually talk to many brands on this channel um, and on this podcast. And the reason that I asked you for an interview, Tim, was because I've been so taken by this pair of running shorts. I'm, uh, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, you can see me holding them up. Um, if you're listening on the podcast, I will just describe them. It's a pair of shorts. Um, they've got like a nice thin underlayer, like a bit of a legging type cycling short underlayer. Um, and then they've got um, another overshort over the top, which I actually cut in the middle and I made them into a, um, into a pair of um, skorts, a skort, I think you call them. They've got really good pockets Scott, in the back. Right? A skort, yeah. Very stylish skort. <laughs> very stylish skort. You can see me wearing this on my latest two ultras, um, the UTS 50K and the Montane Lakeland 50 as well. Um, they've got great pockets at the back that you can fit an iPhone in um, and loops um, around the front that you can fit gels in just there. So um, I absolutely love them. As soon as it got, I think I got sent them in January this year. Um, they're, they're actually men's. Um, and as soon as I got warm enough, I tested them out, found myself wearing them on every single run. I must have run over a thousand miles in these in training and the wear is very impressive. I have not worn them through like I tend to do on running shorts because my legs rub together. Um, so for me, I have been recommending them to everybody I know, but the only downside is I get sent things like this for free. I'm very aware that I'm very lucky. I'm a gear reviewer. I get sent stuff like this for free, um, but they cost a hundred 
£230. So that's double or even triple of what um, the other, some other running shorts, which look like this, cost. Um, so I looked more into the company and I found about your dedication to sustainability and ethical working conditions and I thought maybe that's the cause. So that's why I want to ask you more about this today, Tim. Um, but first, could we just start by rolling back the clock a little bit? Um, I just want to know a bit more about what made you start a new running brand in the first place in what seems to me to be quite a saturated market. Yes. Well, I suppose it's in the boutique space. I would say it's 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 less saturated than the mass market and in the apparel only space. It's it's less saturated, although it's more saturated now than it was when I started. I started because um, I was a runner for one and I had a, bash, uh, a background in fashion design. And it seemed to me there was a, a space for uh, sort of a design-led running brand um, when I, this was uh, seven or eight years ago when I set it up. What I didn't realize was in fact, the, the space was for a highly technical running brand and that's for quite complicated reasons, but, but the, the shorthand of it is that the major players, all of 99% of their revenues from shoes, they put all of their R&D and their technical expertise into shoes mm. and apparel is a second third fourth down the line for them as far as revenues they don't really innovate in that space right. as a specialist and as as it turns out i happen to buy by probably luck rather than anything else have a a very good ability to develop a, a highly technical running product that's where the brands evolved to um and hence the shorts that you have that you've worn all the time but that does have price implications as well yeah, so um, we'll get more onto the price in a sec, and I've got some um, some nice comments from my patrons as well that hopefully you can you can help me with. Um, but what gear did you start with first of all? Because obviously the trail running is even newer than just the running stuff. So what I started with it was it was a sort of fairly basic collection. So it was a t-shirt and a pair of sort of general running shorts and. Um, God, what did we launch with and maybe like a half zip top all of them were you know were very more than adequate they looked nice they they work pretty well um but the more i understood what was possible with with modern technology in manufacturing and in fabrics and the more i sort of the, the deeper i i dived into it the more i realized what was possible and also the more i realized the 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 problems or, or rather the the lack of innovation in competitor products so so it started with a fairly basic collection i think it was four or five styles uh, and it's evolved from there and trail has come over the last couple of years i've been looking at that starting to develop stuff starting to understand what it means to run long distances carrying your own supplies of water and, and nutrition and you know etc etc so uh, so yeah yeah i hear you're working on a trail running backpack as well which i'm very excited about um but yeah um yes. so yes that sounds really exciting so, I mean, that's that's interesting what i found or what i repeatedly find is when i look at products and i look at what what else is out there on the market it feels that lots of products are essentially copies of a of a design idea that's come before. And so when we looked at a trail pack, we started from scratch. So there's nothing about it that is similar to another trail pack that's on the market. Well, broadly, but essentially the, the core components are completely different from anything on, on the market. Because when you look at it from the ground up, you realize there's better ways of doing things. And that I found with lots of kind of sore products, if you look at them from the, you know, if you look at a product from the ground up, you can innovate in a space that you would have thought was very, you know, advanced, but in fact isn't. Yes. Yeah. No, that's really interesting because, um, yeah, everybody tends to follow suit, don't they? So just totally yeah. like scrapping it and just having that blank sheet of paper to start with sounds incredibly exciting. Um, as well. And so um, could you just take us through a little bit about what is in the range right now for trail runners, this being um, a trail running channel? Sure. 
Um, so we have the shorts that um, you have. Um, we've just launched a, a rain jacket that's uh, sort of focusing on having a very lightweight uh, rain jacket that's race compliant. I, if you have to take a, a rain jacket on as part of your race regs, then it's very lightweight. It's super breathable, uh, and that's the key issue with any sort of wet weather gear, any sort of membrane gear for running. It has to be super, super breathable, and most smart breathable enough. Um, so that launches today, I think. Um, we have a, a trail race vest, uh, and so lots of the, the work we did with with tops, if you like, to go under hydration packs around the fact that hydration packs tend to, because they're badly designed, which our one won't be, they tend to chew up garments underneath. So every yes. trail runner will know that like a thousand tops that have been chewed up by their packs. Yes, the first time so you wear we, the pack, it chews it up. Like yeah, my Montaine t-shirt that they gave me for the Lakeland 50, by the end of that, it's all bobbled around here where the strap is around yeah. here. Yeah. So, so we do a lot of work in making our trail, the, the tops and our race garments that go under a pack, abrasion resistance in a way that's still very light um, and still very comfortable. So we have a, a race top and a, a short sleeve top, both designed to go under packs. We have the shorts um, and we have the, the rain jacket. Um, and then we have next season coming up, we have a collaboration coming up with a, with a big trail shoe brand uh so that will expand the range range for men and women quite significantly oh fantastic are you able to tell us what the trail shoe brand is or is it secret at the moment not actually oh. <laughs> sorry yeah. oh that's fine that's fine um uh that sounds really exciting and i, I can't wait to um to find out more about that because hopefully you'll tell me um, as soon as you're able to. Um, but I'm just um, going to pop up a little picture here of some of the new arrivals on the SOAR, um, on the SOAR website, just to give people a little bit of an idea of prices, um, just so we can start talking about that side of things. So um, I can see here the Ultra Jacket, that might have been the one that you're talking about, the new lightweight jacket. Um, that's 200... It's the, yeah. That's it's the more expensive now trail rain jacket oh the trail rain jacket so okay um so that might not be in this picture there um the ultra jacket is 210 pounds that's out that sounds kind of like in the ballpark for a jacket to be honest like some some of the top end jackets are 200 pounds these days um the run shorts 95 pa 95 pounds um the tights there are um let me just chopped the I've chopped the numbers off the end there that was a good idea wasn't it I'm working on two screens and everything's just got lost now where's the internet gone sorry about this Tim um yeah so then the leggings no um uh, 155 pounds the cap 55 50 pounds and a long sleeve tech tee is 85 pounds um and we've got some cropped race vests and race vests that are about 70 pounds um so it's kind of the the jacket seems sort of normal price compared to a lot of other brands but it's sort of the t-shirt area in the short area that um is kind of double and triple the price so um mm. so so yeah like it, it like i know it's probably not in a nutshell how you can explain the prices of these um but i just wanted to read out a few comments from people just to sort of set the scene as to why sure. i'm even asking you these questions um sure. so yeah, yeah. we've got some people on the live chat dave coulson says blimey it's really expensive um and i've put yes use the use the discount code <laughs> it's a wild ginger running 15 <laughs> and it's in the um, the link below um so yeah hopefully that will help some people who are teetering on the edge um paul nester um says wow yeah my wife has some sweaty betty stuff and i thought that was expensive but this is next level and i've put yes let's find out why um today is here as well he ha he's he's had he's had a, a different comment so I'll, I'll read out his later um lisa says i can understand how a brand can warrant the price but as an individual I can't it looks seriously good though and John says my saw cap and winter tights are amazing 
but I'll be adding to the collection very slowly. Um, and just a couple of comments from, um, from patrons. Hannah said, heard great things, but yeah, far too pricey for me. I'm far too poor for premium kit. I'm a decathlon fan for a lot of kit and I only buy stuff when I really need it. I've got some secondhand stuff on eBay too, which is pretty sustainable. Most of my running shirts and buffs are free race ones um, and they do the job for me. Um, and then Severine says, I, I suppose I might one day invest in their shorts, but at that price, I can't afford to just try them out. Um, I can imagine it does cost a fair bit to make quality garments, but it does price a lot of people out of the market. So I suppose here, Tim, <laughs> your quest today is, is to explain um, why the garments cost so much and why it's worth investing in them. Because, I mean, do you know what? I would never normally recommend something quite so expensive, but if you weren't going to send me another pair of these, I would actually buy them once these actually fell apart. Like that's how much I love these shorts and that's why I've got you here to talk about it today because I just think it's it's really interesting. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. What what would you say to that? Why the why the garments cost so much compared to what else is on the market that we can possibly use as runners? So I, I think what you just said reinforces the reason, reinforces why they cost what they do. Um, that that's a, and I don't mean it's a flippant answer, but so let's to step back from that. You have to take a view where your brand is going to sit, and we. So uh, my, what I'm interested in is to try to produce the best possible running clothing, technically, that we can, mm -hmm. and that's you know plenty of other suppliers who are supplying cheaper running kit. And they're doing it very well and that's great and they have huge economies of scale they have massive green problems which we'll talk about in sustainability issues which we'll talk about in a minute so you have to take a view when you start a business as to you know what what your space is and, and my space is trying to produce the best garments that we possibly can with current fabric and current technology in a way that's ethical and sustainable with with my take on what sustainability means for sportswear the second thing, and is you know, I, it's, and I'm very aware that I don't want to be saying all cheap sportswear is bad. However, a lot of cheap sportswear is very bad from a sustainability point of view and an ethical point of view. Okay. So I would say there's, there's a significant, if you like, sustainable and ethical um, discount, if you want to put it like that, that you're that you're baking in when you make cheap sportswear and and you, you have to take a view on that and you know if you I'm lucky that in my position I could afford to buy saw and that's great and if people can't afford to buy saw that's also totally fine you know we, we, we're not for everyone and I'm not trying to be for everyone and I'm not trying to be elitist but what I am saying is what we are trying to do is we're trying to make the best possible running gear we can and the reason for that and the reason why I took that view on it is running's a big part of my life and I spend a long time doing it and I make a lot of sacrifices to do it essentially and um, you know my wife would say probably too many sacrifices frankly <laughs> the husband it was your potentially your husband as well you know I think you you, you make sacrifices to do the sport that you love um, and therefore I took the view that I wanted to do it in the, with the best possible equipment that I could. So that's the, the opening premise. And the secondary thing is, and this, this was only emergent, you know, I didn't think about this when I first started, but the secondary thing is if by generally by working with good factories and good fabric mills, they are inherently more sustainable because they have be better ethical practices, they have better um, infrastructure, they work by paying their staff well, they're good with their waste, they're good with their energy sources, all of those things. So that's a kind of emergent thing. I didn't think about that to start with, but it's actually true. You know, for instance, by and large, we work exclusively with the European fabrics because they're the best fabrics technically. But also that happens to be the, for instance, our French mills. So I went, I'll give you a little small illustration. I went to our French 
mill that makes a lot of our fabric, that makes the liner and the outer shell on those shorts that you have. It's very expensive. It's very high quality woven fabric. And it's very strong and it's very robust, which is why they've lasted well. Uh, and I said to them that we really need to, you to use the recycled yarn for these because everyone's banging on about recycled yarns. And the, the owner of the mill patiently explained to me saying, look, the French government has done a lot of research on this. The carbon footprint of a piece of fabric is 90% in the weaving of the yarn, uh, weaving of the fabric and 10% in the yarn itself. Okay. So if you, for instance, use recycled yarn, but you're doing it in a crappy mill somewhere in Asia that's pumping out pollution, which has very few uh, kind of eco controls on it, then that fabric is going to be inherently less green and less sustainable mm. in and the way yet, you understand. And yet in your blurb, you'll write 100% recycled yarn and everyone will think, oh, giddy, exactly. I'm yeah. being green. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, generally, if you're working with high quality, so this mill, for instance, so they have a water recycling plant in-house. They build their own water recycling facilities so they can put water goes back out into the system cleaner than it came in for instance they work it because it's france there's a high degree of nuclear energy now like it or load it nuclear energy is is green once the infrastructure has been built it's very green once the infrastructure has been built um they have very good working practices they pay their staff well which is really important and this is also true with our portuguese factory most of their energy is supplied by solar panels, which they put into the factory, pay their staff well. They're strongly audited by the, the Portuguese government. So, however, all of those things mean that you're paying a price that reflects the fact that they're paying their staff well and that they do all of this external stuff to make sure they're not polluting, they're not putting out a crappy product, etc., etc. Now, with all of that, the second part is, is what's our margin? And our margin is how much money do we, you know, what's the difference between what we're buying a product for from our manufacturer to how much we're selling it for? And I can guarantee that our margin is significantly less than someone like Nike or Adidas or Puma or any of those. I can guarantee it's less. And that's because we take a view at the moment that we can in effect say we're going to work on a thinner margin because we know our products are expensive and I don't want to make them ridiculously expensive. And we can take that view because we're a small business. So, and then the, the kind of final part of this equation is using good quality fabrics and good quality manufacturing means that your product by and large are, are likely to be last significantly longer and respond to washing significantly better than a cheaper product. So, and that for me, the number one green thing you can do is not sell cheap crap that's going to fall to bits and be thrown away you know that that's the most ungreen thing possible is that so if you sell a product which will last well is durable is fit for purpose so it's used a lot then that's the the best thing you can do for sustainability in the short term at the moment so for all of those reasons that means our products relatively expensive but i would say we've been We've been given a supply of over cheap sportswear for a long time, which is why everyone thinks that a £30 pair of shorts is, is an acceptable thing. If you're buying a £30 pair of shorts, absolutely someone's getting ripped off in that equation. And the person most likely to be is the weakest person in the supply chain who's the factory worker, basically. So that, you know, you just have to consider that fact. Yeah, and potentially the environment as well. Like the voiceless, the exactly. voiceless, work. Yet, uh, yeah, eventually precisely. it will have a voice of our environment. Um, so that's, that's really awesome. I think that really gives a really good coverage of what sustainability means to you, Tim, as a person and, and through your company. Um, and I, I thought it was really good on your sustainability page of the website um, that it's really short and concise and clear. It's not like a load of kind of, you know, greenwashing, kind of loads of big pictures and like, oh, we do this, we do that just to make feel, people feel good. It's just like, boom, 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 we're doing this, this and this. This is what year we've done this. 
next year we're doing this, then we're doing this. And I was really interested to see a repair and reproofing service on there. Um, I think a, a lot of brands are, are going towards this model now. So how, do, how does that work? Um, like if somebody was to buy one of these on our 15% discount that we're, we're touting at the moment. Sure. Um, yeah, tell <laughs> so, us a bit more about that. So, so even before that process, we have a 100-mile guarantee on all of our products. So oh. if you run in our products for 100 miles, you know, whatever that means. So for a reasonable amount of time, if you run in our products and you don't like it for any reason, send it back to us. So oh. that's a way of saying we realize our products are expensive and we want you to be totally confident and comfortable when you buy them that it's the right purchase. And also... I'm confident that we get very few returns on that on this basis, so our products are good. So that's that's the first point. So you, you don't encourage people to buy something that then they're not they're not not happy with. Again, so that's making sure the garment's used, which is inherently sustainable. The repair service is already launched. So if there's any sort of product which we can repair, we will repair. There's a small handling charge, but it's it's very low. And then we have a kind of partner reproofing service for our garments, our waterproof garments. So again, that extends the lifespan of those garments significantly. So yeah, absolutely, you have to do that. You know, that this is now table stakes for being a sustainable brand is to help people, help your product last as long as possible. Yeah, that's fantastic. And um, um, I actually, um, this this part here with the pocket just here, um, oh, you can't really see yep, the light there. See it. So the elastic bit, because I put my phone in and out of here so many times. I mean, like I have run, probably over a thousand miles in this. I'll have to like log when I wear it on Strava so I can actually count, but I've, all my training for all of my ultras has been done using this pair of shorts and this pair of shorts alone. I have put my phone in and out of here probably 3,000 times <laughs> during the course. No, maybe probably 10,000 times, I would say. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And so the elastic on this pocket here, not this one, which I didn't use as much because it was not as near for the phone. This one went, so I just sewed it back up and it was really easy. But had I known you had a repair surface, I would have sent it to you because With I haven't, I haven't yes. used very elasticate. I haven't used as elasticated thread on there. I didn't realize. So I've sewn it up so it's not as big now. So I've made an error there. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yes. I will yes. use elastic thread next it's time. Yeah. But I thought, and where it wore, it just came off, but it didn't start to fray or anything. So I could very easily repair it. So I thought that was excellent. Brilliant. Yes. And and absolutely, we would have done that for you if, you know, if, if you don't, you know, if you're a customer, you don't have a sewing machine to hand or whatever, we can, we'll absolutely do that for you. Yeah, I didn't have a sewing machine. I just did it myself. So maybe that's where I went wrong as well. I should have got my mum involved. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, 
Oh, I'll talk about my other doctoring of the uh, of the shorts in a minute, but um, I just wanted to fully cover the sustainability thing. And I, I also read you did mention economies of scale just before in what you said, but um, it, I read that you only produce in small batch sizes and you don't have like big end of season sales. Um, how does that help? And, yes. and what made you make those decisions? So, yes, and I, I realised there's a <laughs> a slight tension here generally with with the fact that there's 15 percent discount code being discussed generally again excessive discounting is is inherently ungreen yeah. you're if you're you know if you're producing too many products for your customers to want and you have to discount them strongly then you're producing too many too many products you know the the right price should be the right price so so we absolutely do not produce any more than we have to and you know the totally are economies of scale. And if we were producing a hundred thousand garments, yeah, for sure you would you could you could make them a fair bit cheaper. Um, but again, with a company of our size, don't overproduce, don't discount heavily, don't have a and the worst is having a discount driven model, which many many cheaper brands do, whereby they'll have a headline price for two weeks and then it's straight into discount. And in fact, those those garments are designed to be discounted. You know, behind the scenes, they're actually designed to be sold at a discount all the time. Yeah. And again, that that idea is just that's driving excessive consumption. And and I realise I need to be very careful about saying this because we're you know we're we're feeding the we're feeding the wolf if you like by producing by asking people to consume our products. But absolutely, excessive consumption for discount-driven models is is just not the way forward. It really isn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, somebody's got to make the gear. So if you're going to be making the gear, then having a really good, sound, ethical and sustainability um, uh, pillars <laughs> does sound like a really good idea yes. to me. Um, yeah. And so we, we haven't touched much upon the whole kind of carbon cycle and like the carbon neutrality. Um, what are your plans around carbon neutral? How does that affect your business in the pricing? So there's, we had a carbon or a not sustainability order, a green order, I would say we call it, done of our business about uh, 18 months ago. And after that, I realized that no one really knows anything. And that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a slightly flippant way of saying there are so many externalities in producing a piece of fabric and putting it in a factory and making a garment you know, how far upstream are you going? So for instance, I said, currently our French model uses nuclear power. Now that's very green once it's going. However, there's a great deal of discussion about the fact that it's very ungreen when you build a nuclear power station. Mm -hmm. So that's just an illustration of the fact that, you know, how wide are you taking a snapshot of where the, the kind of carbon footprint of your garment is? So I guess what you have to say is you have to say that you, you're, you're taking what you think is a reasonable snapshot. However, again, having said that, so we're moving, for instance, to more and more wool-based garments. And, and as much as anything else, the reason for that is because wool is a very functional, good technical yarn. So it works very It is amazing. Exactly. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes, absolutely. So, you know, again, and you would think, okay, that is certainly going to have a lower carbon impact than um, than a pure synthetic. Sheep are eating grass, sheep being, you know, shorn for their wool, you're using in, fa fa in fabric, in yarns rather. However, what I don't really know is, I don't really know what is the carbon footprint of sheep farming because I'm pretty sure it's not totally carbon neutral. Um, so my view on it is do everything you can within your power that you know is beneficial. Do stuff that you think is beneficial, 
but accept that you don't know many of the answers. And also be aware that if you're working with high quality partners, like we do high quality European fabric mills, they're all driving this as hard as you are. So therefore, you know, you're going to be, you're going to achieve together, you're going to achieve more wins than you will do separately. Um, and that's as much of an answer I can give you because that's as much as, you know, my knowledge and based on, as I said, having a green audit done as much as, as my take on what under the general understanding is at the moment. Yes, um, well, that sounds like a really good explanation. Um, sorry, I was a bit distracted during that. Um, everyone just told me my mic dropped out, so I just had to <laughs> redo that. Um, uh, for anybody who missed that part, um, they could hear Tim, but not me. I was just waxing lyrical about a book called The Short History of the World According to Sheep, and then Tim was explaining about why Saw are using more and more wool-based products. So, um, so thank you for that, Tim. <laughs> um, and hopefully everybody can hear me now because I've plugged it into a... a, a portable charger um, which I've used forever it's a really good one um, so the other one we'll look to a lot is into silk and silk ah. really interests me it's mm. it's again it has very similar performance functionality to wool uh, slightly different but but we're doing more and more with silk at the moment and just doing more and more testing to see how we can really introduce that into very high performance garments. So that's that's another thing I'm looking at right now. Yeah, and that it's it strikes me as really interesting that all those fabrics are really natural and really old. Like this is what we used to yeah. use, isn't it? Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's yeah. like what absolutely. we used to use. Yes. Yeah. Yes, back in the old days. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, back in the yeah. Old days. So yeah, and it, and using such products is just seems to be a bit more in line with nature. You know, like that sort of kind of full circle of life. Um, and talking of a circle of life, um, I was just speaking to, I've just been reviewing um, for adventure.com website, I've just been um, just writing a little article about what the new Apple um, Apple Watches Series 9 and Ultra 2 mean mm -hmm. for runners and hikers. Mm -hmm. um, and I was asking, because they're, they're, they're touting them as their most sustainable watches yet, because they're carbon, carbon neutral. Um, they claim mm -hmm. um, and so I was just asking the green runners for a quote there just to sort of give a wider perspective on that um, and they were talking about publishing a full life cycle assessment of products um, so is that something that saw are thinking of doing or yeah I suppose it, as you said it depends how far back you go up the cycle but is, is that sure. something that interests you yeah so so absolutely in theory I, I think you have to pick your battles, as I said, you know, the, the, the other point of this, the other sort of consequence of this green art audit made me realize that, you know, there are, as I said, there's so many externalities, pick your battles and try to do that as well and as efficiently as possible. So for me, extending the lifestyle of the garment as long as possible is the most important thing we can do at the moment. And that, as I said, is about having a repair service or a proofing service, building a fit for purpose product so it's used and making it in good materials. So really focusing on that for me is the big battle. And then really understanding uh, and through working with my partner, fabric mills and partner factories, what realistically, what are the realistic things we can do to either mitigate carbon, to, you know, to, to offset carbon in a realistic way that actually meaningful. I mean, I'd like to know from an Apple perspective, what carbon neutral means, mm. you know, is it carbon offsets? Yeah. Again, there's so much it really means. There was a combination of things going on, recycled cobalt in the batteries, um, new recycled fabric instead of leather. Um, there was uh, encouraging all their suppliers to lower their emissions, lowering their own emissions, and then offsetting the rest. So, but how are they offsetting? Sure. Is that a good way of offsetting? Have they yeah. just planted some trees that yeah. will be chopped down in five years? <laughs> Who knows? So they haven't yes. said. So that's, I, I just wish they'd provided a bit more information there because it's so easy to greenwash people who don't really want to get into the nitty gritty of it and won't ask those hard questions. And then they can just feel good because they've been told it's carbon neutral and they're like, yeah, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. It's kind of a distraction isn't yeah. it, from the larger project. It makes, it makes me really fucking angry, if you excuse my language, in sports where Beep. when people are going, <laughs> when people are going, we're using recycled yarn, sorry, a green brand. Bullshit. It's, there's bollocks. more to it Doesn't, than that. Can be, can be, cannot be. But yeah, and that's why I think it's important to be honest about the things that you don't know and the things that you can't do 
and try and do the things that you can do in a way that you think is genuinely green. You know, try and at least be honest about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Um, and and you guys have got some exciting plans as well. I saw for 2024, you're talking about developing more end of life solutions for saw garments, which was one of the other things that um, the green runners um, are interested in, not just the recycled materials that make the product, but how recyclable is that end product then? Um, so yeah, can you are you able to tell us more? Or is it a big secret? It's yeah, it, it's, it's a work in progress. The, the issue with end of life is you have to have the facilities there to, so, so lots of people are focusing, focusing on end of life. And again, this is something, you know, the more research you do, the more you, the bigger you realize that the issue is end of life as a, as a, as a realistic significant thing requires, is going to require a whole new industry built around repro, being able to repurpose, uh, gar, you know, garments, footwear, whatever it is. Uh, and now there's a few things you can do to help that when that industry is there. And that is by not using mixed fibers too much, by trying to use um, a significant amount of single fiber uh, fabrics. And so we're doing a lot of research into putting a mechanical stretch into fabrics. So you don't have a, a fabric which is a mixture of, say, nylon and elastane. You have a single fiber fabric and you, you build the stretch mechanically into it. And a single fiber fabric is is genuinely e generally rather easier to recycle. Um, the other thing we're we're really thinking about is how you know how we can take back garments. Realistically, what we can do with them? Because if we you know if you say you have a service to people, okay, we're going to take back a garment and we'll you know give you a whatever you'll get some reward for taking it back. And then we just end up with a massive mound, pile of garments that we can't do anything with. Well, that's not really doing anything to address the issue. So it is, it's a, it's a, a thorny problem. And the more you look at it, the thornier it becomes. But what I do know is there is going to have to be a bit more of an infrastructure down the line to be able to actually take things apart, take them back to their constituent components and realistically use that recycling. But what, so what we're focusing on at the moment is what can we do? Can we work with fabrics which have a single component to them? So that's where we're doing our research at the moment. Ah, that's fantastic. And, and you're talking all about, um, also about a dedicated resale website for reconditioned saw products. Um, I'm just wondering if yes. that's necessary because you could team up with, like I just spoke last week to a lady called Fran at Kit Squad, um, and she takes secondhand items in and, and kind of gives them to low-income families. And, and there's also there's various resell, like pre-loved outdoor gear, Facebook groups and, and websites. You could sort of team, team up with one of those and then you wouldn't have to create a whole website yourself. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, in fact, that's something that's probably advanced quite a lot since we we did that original roadmap and yeah so whether we whether we do it in-house or whether we do it with a third-party provider i'm agnostic about it just needs to just a good way of getting it out there and i think again by now we've introduced this repair service and we've introduced this reproofing service that again makes it significantly easier for you to be able to offer garments for resale to encourage a resale but absolutely, I would absolutely encourage 100%, uh, you know, as much of a resale market as possible. Yeah, so, yeah, if you see any saw items on Vinted, they won't be coming from me, <laughs> or eBay, oh, then snap them up. Cause any of those things, buy it, absolutely, yeah, to we're totally yeah, encouraging. Total anyone. bargain, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic. Um, I, I do have a question, another question, which isn't directly related to the sustainability side of things. If you feel like we've covered sustainability fully, unless I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I think that, that's right. You know, as I said, the the main takeaways for me are: do what you can, do it honestly, and do it with integrity. Accept the facts. There's a lot you don't know, and a lot you can't control. Um, and that, you know, I think if every business did that within the space, that would be the most helpful thing to do. Yeah. Okay. That sounds like a really good summary. Um, we do have a live question that is related to this, just come in, um, from Sean O'Keefe. Um, he says, would you consider changing your pricing structure to reflect the size of the garments at all? For example, the reduced material used for women's clothing and smaller sizes, etc." 
feels like a minefield to me. Well, I'm just thinking probably the the price of the actual material is probably nothing. See all the see all the extra large customers going. Why are we being penalised for being? Don't you think (laughs) probably the price of the actual like the actual fabric, like and the tiny differences that large to small makes is probably a a drop in the ocean compared to the rest of the manufacturing costs of actually just making the garment, isn't it? Yes, correct. I mean, theoretically, the probably, you know, clearly, not probably, there definitely is a, a small saving in the in the metric, square metric fabric used. How the factories supply, give us the prices, they give us a blended price mm-hmm. that takes, so if we order, say, for sake of argument, 500 small and 400 mediums and 200 larges, the manufacturing price is a blended price that represents the average uh, fabric usage across that whole order so although it appears that you're you know you're, you might be paying a, a premium for a smaller garment in fact you know in the big scheme of things it comes out in the wash and you probably aren't really um and i'm also cautious i don't think you know within a single sex within say you know women's small to extra small to extra large i don't think we should be penalizing anyone if they're larger by making them pay more for more for a garment yeah. i think that just feels unfair to me yeah ethically that that racks of like um encouraging eating disorders <laughs> just to save money um, i don't think well, I, I don't... as a runner of course we all have some borderline eating disorders anyway but there we go <laughs> yeah namely eating too much during ultras because that's why we run um that's i think that's a really interesting question though sean and i don't know any clothing manufacturer that actually does like vary their prices depending on size like no fashion designer I know ever does that I think it would just be too complicated um but that's a really good question and it does actually lead on quite nicely to Tadeusz's question Tadeusz is watching live as well and he says they would charge me triple (laughs) Tadeusz is very tall um I have I've met him I've met him before And he says, um, he can see that on the website, this is today, she says, I can see they have a picture of a person um, with a chest and a waist, but not like an average size person. Um, and um, as, you know, sorry, he says, as a not average sized person, so he's very tall, yeah, not knowing the garment yes. length um, means that he wouldn't probably um, risk buying something especially at that price um and also he's heard from another youtuber don't know who that is there there isn't a name here um say that they best fit the professional athletics athletic frame um i i don't have a professional athletic frame by any means and this size medium men's short fits me really well even though it's not specifically designed for women um which is very pleasing and surprising so yeah what would you say to the fact that people maybe perceive saw as designed for more of a professional athletic frame? So I, I think that is, and we have this quite a lot, and that's, I generally cut clothing closer to the body than than many other sports brands because it's more efficient and it's lighter and it's less fabric and it's more comfortable. So I think people perceive that as meaning it's, it's just for, you know, skinny runners and it's not, it's just cut close to the body and we, we very carefully grade it. So, the fit, if you're a large or an extra large, will be the same close to the body fit, but it won't be, that doesn't mean it's not meant for you, it just means it's it's cut to be close to the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe larger people may not feel as comfortable with something that's cut close to the body perhaps, and it's they're not used to it maybe. Yes, I, I think exactly. I think if you're used to loose sportswear, then it can feel like, oh, this must be just designed for skinny people and it's not is designed for that reason for for ergonomic reasons and functionality reasons and performance reasons yes um and it's interesting that as a taller person he was just saying he wouldn't know how long the garment is but i'm sure there's a help section isn't there on the SOAR website or you know an email address that you can contact to to find out the length of the clothing to make sure that you'd be um, it'd be tall enough for him Yes, there's a live chat, and but it but it's a uh, I, I'll take that on board and, and look at our size chart, see if we can add a like a garment length piece on it. Fantastic. 
oh, this is brilliant. Um, so while we're in this, the whole feedback zone here, um, I do just before we want before we go, we've got about five minutes left. Um, I do want to just mention the fact that these shorts used to be actual shorts, so they used to join in the middle just between the legs here. Um, but I actually found that the fabric sort of because my legs rub together in that area anyway. Um, I found that the fabric gathered and sort of rose up in there, and it was just annoying having fabric there. So I took the plunge, even though they cost 130 pounds. Um, they didn't cost me that, so I'm able to do this kind of thing. I know that I'm very lucky in that reason, in that um, in that regard. But I actually chopped um, the the short so that it then became a little squat. So you, I'm just holding up the squat um, for the YouTube viewers to see. You can see that there's the cycling shorts underneath and then there's the squat over the top that used to be a short. And it hasn't frayed or anything because of this material that you've used. It's just, you know, I haven't cut it very well. So it doesn't That's look why, good, yeah. but it's yeah. great. And I, I absolutely love it. And I will do the same to the next pair that you, you are, <laughs> that Rebecca's promised to send me from the marketing team. Um, so I just, I just think that's brilliant. So, so and I think you should now make that pair um, for women. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an interesting comment about that. So it's, it's really important and, it, and it's, it's really great you've done that. It's important as a designer that you have random inputs and those random inputs can come from a number of different ways and they can come by the factory making a mistake when they're doing a prototype or by you know it's normally by mistakes in the, in the design process or the production process and suddenly you get this thing which you didn't intend it and you go oh actually that's a really a better solution and it's important not to neglect that if you're if you're a designer at all so it's great that you've made a score because i wouldn't have thought about making a score but now we're going to make it a score for the women yay cool i only charge 50 pounds commission per garment sold <laughs> not really <laughs> not really later. <laughs> you can have you can have that for free just for women kind fantastic we we've got to stop soon unfortunately um but i um but yeah this has been so interesting i'm so glad that we had this chance to chat because i just find what you're doing very admirable very noble and just i'm totally on board with anything that makes gear that's more sustainable and environmentally friendly and now i just feel more equipped to recommend saw products to people um, despite the because despite the um, high investment um, and even more so because you've now very kindly given me a discount code which is wild ginger 15 or lowercase if you want to invest in any of saw's gear um, so uh, that's also you'll find that link in the film description below and the podcast show notes um, uh, the, the correct spelling and everything um, but thank you so much Tim it's just been really interesting and really informative talking to you um, I'm really looking forward to testing some more saw kit and um, I'll be letting everybody know what it's like and I'm hoping that it's as durable and well-fitting and well-featured as these shorts that I've got here that I just love um, so yeah thank you very much Tim for making these right. thank and you yeah. Uh, that was fun. <laughs> no problems. Um, have a lovely day and thanks everybody for watching. See you soon. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.